in the process of time, I had to answer the question, are you what people say you are? Are you who you think you are? Or are you who you are? The first time I came head on clashing with this question, I was a teenager. I met a girl. She was fine. I mean, she was really, really fine. One of the prettiest girls I've ever known. She was fair in complexion, what we call high yellow in the neighborhood. Her parents were mulatto, and they could have passed for white if they'd wanted to. And I was kind of shy at the time, but I summoned up the courage to call her and make arrangements to go see her way across town. She lives so far that in our neighborhood, we refer to her neighborhood as way <coughs> over there. <laughs> and I was doing pretty good. You know, I remember walking up to the house. My heart was pumping, but I was doing well until I got to the door. And her father opened the door, and he looked down on me like, you couldn't possibly be coming to see my daughter. And I was crushed. I felt so small. But being from the neighborhood, I had learned how to bluff, fake it, to summon up the courage. You know? <coughs> so I put on my straight face, and I pushed it down, and I walked in. And he called his daughter, but he also called his wife. And they took up two chairs right in the doorway so that they can hear everything, see everything, and act as chaperones. Well, I stayed there as long as my heart would allow, and I left. But I never came back. I never saw her again. I never called her again. But I began to wonder, I couldn't understand why I felt so small and so out of place and just so tiny because I was in the presence of Negroes just like me. Now, I was born colored. Then I became a Negro and nobody ever told me how to be one or the other or what you were supposed to do. Because, you know, at this time, when I was small, all the poor people lived in the same neighborhood. Most of my friends were Oriental. That's a long time before they all became Asian. <laughs> my, my Mexican friends didn't know they were Latin, and none of them ever heard of a Hispanic. <laughs> my white friends were always white, but they didn't care because we were all kids running around, having fun, just trying to be American. And we were doing pretty well at that, too, like, until somebody got mad and called you a name in some language that you couldn't speak. But we knew all the nasty words <laughs> in everybody's language. <laughs> And then I also recall that there was a time when I was small when another event took place that sort of paralleled what had happened with the girl. My grandfather used to take us on a trip down south 
every other year or so. I remember it well. He would pile us all into the Kaiser Fraser. Now, that was a popular car back in the 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. I remember sitting in the back seat on a little peak between my grandmother's big butt and my <laughs> great grandmother's <laughs> wide hips. <laughs> Well, I, I remember the smell of chicken and barbecue in the car because we never stopped to eat anywhere. We never stopped for anything except gas. We never stopped to sleep. And whenever we stopped to eat, we would always go up to a place that had a little window in it or they would go around to the back to get the food and they would bring it back and then we'd get in the car and take off. And if you had to do something, it was always the side of the road. We just drove through. Well, one night in the deep south, it was like being in a movie. There was nobody on the streets. There was nothing moving. And my grandfather was lost. He had lost his way. But he looked and he saw, parked across the way, an old white man in a truck. <coughs> he called out to him. He said, hey, sir, could you tell us how to get back up to the road so we could get back to the highway? And the man said, y'all come on over here, and I'll show you how to get there. My grandfather said, that's OK. Just, can you just help us to get back to the road? He said, no, you'll come on over here, and I'll tell you how to get there. Well, this went on a couple more times. My grandfather asked him one more time, and the man's voice got loud. And he started to call my grandfather a whole lot of black, a whole lot of black things that I never heard anybody, but they were vulgar, vulgar, vulgar. And I was tense, but my grandfather was mad. I have never seen him mad like that before. He was in sense, and he reached him, and he grabbed his gun that was in the middle of the seat. He said, I'm going to kill him. He said, I'll, I'll kill him. And if it hadn't been for the fact that my grandmother, my great-grandmother, were in the car along with my uncle, and they talked him out of it, my grandfather said, I'll kill him. He said, we can be in Texas or Arkansas in the morning, and nobody will ever know what happened. But somehow, they talked him out of it, and he went on his way, and we found our way back up to the road. Well, I remember Another time, we were in the South. We were in Mississippi, French Camp, Mississippi. I remember it. They always said French Camp, Mississippi, Kazisco County. I can't spell it, but I can pronounce it. <laughs> we were at a small store, country store. My grandmother and my grandfather were at the counter talking with the proprietor, and I was from California. I grew up with my grandparents in California. And I was little. I didn't know any better. So they weren't paying any attention to me. So I started warning, wandering up and down the aisles, and I saw something that I liked. So I picked it up, and I brought it back to the counter. And I was laying it up on the counter when my grandmother, she just grabbed me up, and she started apologizing. And I knew she wasn't mad at me, but I didn't know why she was apologizing. And I remember the man said, that's all right, ma'am. I know you all ain't from around here. And later on, I found out that black people didn't go up and down the counters of the stores in Mississippi. You went to the counter, 
and you asked for what you wanted, and then somebody went and got it for you and brought it back, and then you left. Now, I would love to go to Safeway. <laughs> Give them my list. Kick it back at the Starbucks and wait till they call me. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, when I was 13, we moved out of the neighborhood. And what I discovered is that you cannot take ethnic relationships from one place to another. So when we moved to the new neighborhood, I had to learn how to be black. I had to learn how to walk. <laughs> I had to learn how to talk. I had to learn a whole lot of new slang words, things to do. It was culture shock. But I was somewhat of a chameleon, so I kind of bluffed my way through it until I got it all together and hanging with the guys in the new neighborhood. And I remember when I was a senior in high school, my grandmother suggested that I drive over to Las Vegas and see some cousins that had moved there from Arkansas. So my grandfather gave me the car, me and my best buddy, we drove to Las Vegas. And while we were there, took my younger cousin to the movies. And we walked up, purchased a ticket, and we started to go into the theater. He says, no, you can't go in there. I said, what do you mean? He said, no, you guys sit upstairs. I said, hey, we pay for the tickets. We sit where we want to. <coughs> it was about 10 minutes before he came in and slid down in the seat beside us. Well, when we got home, his father told him that the theaters had been integrated. He hadn't been to the show such, such a long time. He didn't know. But we didn't even know Las Vegas was segregated at the time. By the time I got to college, I was an Afro-American. <laughs> Walking around with my big hair, <laughs> wearing my, my dashiki, <laughs> studying Swahili with the US organization, and you guys in the Panthers, United Front, and some organizations that you probably never heard of. Well, I was kind of living the life, I was blending in on the peripheries. I even took an African name that my friends gave me. They called me Hodari. And then I uh, took a surname for myself and I actually changed it. I made it legal. Okay. But at the same time, I was thinking about that question a little more seriously now that I was older. Are you what people say you are? Are you who you think you are? or are you who you are? And I realized that black is an adjective, and Negro is an adjective. And I said, it's about time we became a proper noun. Because black people are unique to this country. They were made in America. And I looked at myself, and I said, I'm a brown-skinned man. The darkest person I ever saw in my life was my Uncle Concordia. But when you got up real close on him, he was chocolate. Mm -hmm. 
And so I finally decided that I am an American. 